All that said, would you open up your uh, Bible with me to the book of Romans, chapter 12? Uh, Pastor Bobby, the last couple weeks, has been speaking on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, He will continue that. Uh, So this just put pause this week. Uh, He'll continue that series. Uh, But I want to take a few moments and wrestle with this idea of, can we know the will of God? Can we know the will of God? Sometimes I think it feels, at least in my life, like it's a puff of smoke. You, you sense it, you kind of see it, but you can't quite get your arms around it and, and wrestling with, God, is this your will? Is this what you have for me? Is this what you have for me? Lord, you know, and we, we, want, we want it to be clear, and, and yet we, we just find ourselves wrestling through so often. There's a story told, I'm sure it's been told many times, by an old farmer that, uh, that was in the line of the hurricane when it came through, the, the, the banks of the river overflowed and, and, and flooded his farm, and, and he was not about to, 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 uh, to, to, to leave that property, to leave his farm. He's invested his life in it, and, and the waters just continue to rise and rise, so, and he realizes he can't stay, but he can't go, so he climbs up to the top of his roof and begins to cry out to God, Lord, rescue me, Lord, deliver me, and and about that time, there is a, a, a neighbor, a farmer from the, the, from the next farm over that come by in a raft, paddling by. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yell to him, just jump in, swim over here, we'll, we'll get out together. He goes, no, I appreciate it. I'm waiting on God. He's going to come and deliver me. And so this guy goes by and he's praying and praying, Lord, deliver me more earnest than ever as that water begins to rise more and more and he feels the, the, the immediacy of the moment as, as now it's kind of up to the, to the roof of the farm and he's just uh, crying out, Lord, deliver me, deliver me. And, and about that time, uh, a volunteer rescue person come by in a boat. Jump in, I'm going to throw you a rope, I'm going to pull you in, we'll get you out of here. No, I appreciate it, I'm waiting on God, God's going to deliver me. And so he waits a little longer, all of a sudden he's covering the top of the, the roof and he's standing on top of his chimney and it's just right about up there and he's crying out, God, you know your timing, come and save me. And about that time he has the Red Cross come by, volunteer Red Cross come by in a canoe, paddling beside him, jump in, I'm going to get you out of here. Nope, God's going to deliver me. You know, another hour passes by and the thing washes him out and he's standing before God in heaven. He said, God, why didn't you deliver me? God said, well, I sent a raft, a boat, a canoe you know, and that's just a funny story, or maybe if I could deliver it a little better, it'd be even funnier, but the, it, it kind of points the picture of where we are. God, is that you? Are you in the raft? Are, are you in the boat? Are you, Lord, Lord are you there? Am, am I to stay here and stay put? Am I to jump in? And we wrestle a lot of our life is, is in this tension of wrestling, God, what's your will? My question this morning is, can we know the will of God really? Can we really know what God's will is? Or is it just a general prayer that we pray? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Is, is that it? We just pray a general prayer, Lord, your will be done. I don't really know what it is, but Lord, or, or are we called to know it specifically, pray it specifically, walk it out in a very specific way over our lives? Do we have the ability to know the will of God? Jesus was hanging out with a crowd in his earthly ministry, as he often did, ministering. And uh, somebody came to him and said, your mom and your family is outside. They want your attention. And Jesus turned and said, 
those that do the will of my father, that's my brothers, that's my sisters, that's my family. He put a premium on us knowing his will. That makes us children of God. That makes us brothers and sisters of the faith. So how do we know this? How do we know God's will in our life? I want to look at Romans chapter 12 and just take a couple moments and dissect this uh, set of scripture. I'm sure it's very familiar to most of you. It is chock full. So I want to take a few minutes and dissect it and, and wrestle with this idea of knowing the will of God and how we find it, how do we walk it out. First one says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, everybody say then. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. If you spent any time studying Romans, you know it is chalk full of theology. It is just rich in theology. And really the first 11 chapters of this letter that Paul writes to the Roman church are just deep, massive theology. And then he gets to this point and he uses the word therefore. It's a pivotal word in this whole book where he says, based on everything that God has done and who Christ is, therefore, here's how you should live. Someone said it's it's a point where the where our theology begins to be our walkology. You know, what we believe begins to affect how we live. And so he begins to shift on this idea of therefore. It's a critical word here. And he says, I urge you, I beg you. It's not a command, it's not a directive, it's not an order that Paul gives. It's a it's a plea that God that, that Paul gives here. I beg you, based on everything that Christ has done, I beg you. And I'll, we'll just break apart what, what specifically his encouragement is. The, the word there, that urging word, that pleading word, is a word in the classical Greek is used uh, for a commander or a general that stands before the army and he, about to go to war, and he's encouraging and challenging them as they're preparing for war. It's Paul standing as a commander in the army of God, right? Standing in front of us, challenging and encouraging us as we're ready for battle. He says, I urge you, and he and has two real responses here. I urge you, first he says this, to present your bodies. I urge you to present your bodies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This answers the question of what? What do we do in response to all that God's done? What do we do in response to God's incredible mercy? See, it, it, it is His mercy. It's His mercy that transforms our life. It's not simply a fear of God that draws us close to, close to God. It's not a desire to somehow win God's favor that draws us near to God. It's His mercy. Romans chapter 2 says, It is the goodness of God that draws us to repentance. It's God's goodness that draws, him, draws us close to Him. It's the love, His unconditional love, His unconditional mercy in our lives that makes us, that encourages us, that drives us to the feet of Jesus. It's that we serve a loving Father that's full of mercy and full of grace. And there's an abundance of mercy that is extended over us again and again and again. And if you're like me, you're in need of a lot of mercy in your life. 
daily at times. Trying to walk, trying to live, but just recognize, just don't always make it work. Just not always lining up. Just not always doing exactly what God wants me to do. And I'm, in, I'm just falling in that mercy again. And he says, in the backdrop of that mercy, not in the backdrop of hell, and we need a proper perspective of heaven and hell and a biblical response. But, in the, but, but he's talking about here, not, 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 not in the view of don't mess up or God's going to hit you over the head. That's right. In view, in the backdrop of Christ and his incredible mercy, yes. I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. The idea of present there is, is the idea of a wedding day. It's a, it's a, it's a um, it's a groom and a, uh, and a bride standing ready to commit their lives to one another. It's a once and for all presenting our body. It's not, you know, it's not just in this moment and in an emotional time I come to an altar and do it. It is I'm making a conscious decision every day of my life to give myself wholeheartedly to the Lord. Everything I am, everything I, I, I have, it's our entire being. It's our spirit, soul, and body. It's our talents. It's our personalities. It's our giftings. It's our weak moments. It's our strengths. It's our wealth. It, everything we have. Amen. Everywhere we go. Everything we do. Is presented to Christ. That's our worship. And in that place, that is our place of honoring and glorifying God. As a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice. We don't come to the altar and kill ourselves and we cease to exist. We come to the altar so that God changes us, transforms us. We die to our old life, our old ways of operating. And we begin to operate in a new way, in a new method, in a new pattern. In a way that's holy and pleasing. In a way that's set apart. In a way that's abandoned to God. That was the prophetic exhortation this morning was, don't hold back from God. Don't hold back. Fall into his loving arms. Fall into his trusted arms. Right? Offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing. We, had, uh, we have some good friends that missionaries in Turkey and live in, live in uh, London right now. Uh, and Jeremy Perigo, I think he's come and led worship. Some of you may know him. Angie, his wife, used to always put on her uh, email signature, living to make God smile. And I thought, what a great, what, what a great picture. It reminded me of this scripture. We offer our lives as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing. We live to make God smile. And did you know today you can, you can make God smile? You can please the heart of God. It's a word spoken over a spouse a word of kindness, a word of love. You can touch the heart of God. It's a daughter who gets up and makes breakfast for her dad this morning. Can you see God just smiling over that? It's finding somebody in your neighborhood that you don't know and bringing them cookies. Just, just, just smile. It's a word of text, a word of encouragement, a word of blessing that you can say that just God, it makes God smile. We offer our lives, we offer our talents, we offer our finances, we offer our time, we offer our emotions, our feelings, our ideas, our thoughts. We offer them to God as a living sacrifice. 
one that's holy, set apart, fully abandoned to him, and one that makes him smile. The message translated this way. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, your ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. The aim of which is worship. And that becomes your spiritual act, your reasonable act of worship, your true worship. So oftentimes we quantify worship in a 30-minute singing songs on Sunday morning. That is such a small part of our worship. Our worship is our lives dedicated to Him. Our expression of that is Sunday morning, corporately coming together, raising our hands, singing songs, dancing, kneeling, whatever before Him. But it's just an expression, a part of our worship. Our worship is one that's lived day in and day out, moment by moment, and and, and living our life in a way that honors and glorifies God. That's our end goal. It's been said that worship exists, I mean, excuse me, missions exist because worship doesn't. The purpose of evangelism and missions is because worship doesn't exist. Our main goal in life is that our life becomes that of worship to God. To honor and to glorify Him. To magnify Him in so many ways. And so the idea would be this. Is that in our life, our goal is to demonstrate God's supreme value. If you work, work in such a way that demonstrates God's supreme value. If you're in school, study in a way that demonstrates God's supreme value. In your relationship, love others in a way that shows forth God's supreme value. With your time, with your resources, uh, use them in such a way that shows God's supreme value. And as we do that, it demonstrates the reality of God to others around us. It shows forth Our greatest witness is not the words that we say, it's the life that we live around people. It's how we serve people. It's how we handle, it's how we are when pressure is on us. It's it's how we treat people when they're less than us or those that they're greater than us in a a positional way. It's, It's how we treat people that we don't know. It's the way in which we live becomes our worship becomes our place of valuing God and becomes the testimony of our lives. It's where people see Christ. Yes, amen. That's true. And so we live our lives. How do we respond to, uh, to all that Christ has done? By presenting our bodies as living sacrifices. Secondly, by renewing our minds. I love this idea of renewing minds because it's, it, it's, uh, it, it's at such tension with the Word of God. It really demonstrates kind of this mystery of justification and sanctification. And I know those are two big $10 words, but let me, just, let me just describe those for you a little bit. When we come to Christ, we are fully justified, right? Scripture says that we become a new creation in Him. We are brand new. So all the old stuff, it's gone. Under the blood of Christ, we are made new before Him, and we stand before a judge, and He declares us not guilty, Right? We are fully justified. We're a new creation in Him. And yet, there's a call of God, biblically, that we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We're fully saved, and yet we're working out our salvation on a daily basis. It's sanctification. So here we are, we're a new creation in Him, and yet the call uh, for us to renew our mind is to be new again. 
You're fully new, now be new again. You're fully new. You're a new creation. And yet your goal is to become new again and again and again and again. And there's this great scripture that illustrates it in 1 Corinthians 5, 7. And it says, cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump of dough. Isn't that great picture? That's you right there. Put a little face on it, little ears and hair, and that's you right there. Lump of dough. Because you're really unleavened. Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump of dough because you're really unleavened. What? I'm unleavened, so therefore I got to pull out the leaven. I have no leaven in me, therefore I got to get it out. Exactly. You've been fully justified. You know, leaven is just what causes the bread to rise. In this illustration, it's an illustration of sin. You're fully without sin. You've been fully justified before Christ. Now get the leaven out. Now get the sin out. Now get the junk out. He's saying, don't any longer fall into the pattern of the world. You're now new. You're set apart. You're holy. You are now fully mine. And so don't conform to those values and those beliefs and those ideas. And literally, the the idea here is conform is this, is to become something on the outside that's inconsistent with what's on the inside. Paul says this. He said, you know what? I haven't fully obtained it. Hadn't fully gotten there yet. But I'm pressing on to lay hold of that which has laid hold of me. Right? I, I, I'm not there yet, but something has laid hold of my life. Someone has laid hold of my life and transformed me from the inside out. Now my goal, I'm living, reaching, striving, driving to lay hold of that which has already laid hold of me. We're not conforming to the patterns, the schematics of the world, the plan of the world. Instead, we're being transformed. The word transformed there literally means to become something on the outside that's consistent with what's on the inside. We're being transformed from the inside out. And then Scripture says, at that place, at that place, when we present our bodies, when we've given ourselves, at that place, we'll be able to approve or test to prove and approve God's will. We're not going to be just the ability to discern it, right? To prove it, to know it, but then we can approve it. Not only is it, God, this is your will, I get it, but how great it is. How wonderful it is. Not only will I know it, but I'll love it. Not only will I, 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 I know it, but I'll find great joy from it. See, there's an ungodly belief that's out there that we may have all wrestled with from time to time. And that's, if I really give myself all to God, he's going to take the joy out of my life. Like all the stuff out there that, that seems so exciting, it's a mirage, right? We run after it, we run after it, and we get there and there's really nothing there. It's empty at the end of it. But hey, if I give myself to God, I've got to follow now a bunch of rules and regulations. Oh, I've got to live up to the Ten Commandments. Oh, I've got to do all this that God tells me to do, and I can't do all the stuff that God tells me not to do. And it becomes a bunch of rules and regulations that somehow we have to follow if we give ourselves to God. And that can be any further than truth. There's no greater place of fulfillment. There's no greater place of joy. There's no greater place of peace. 
There's no greater place of really living than it is living in the will of God. There's none. There's no greater adventure than you can have than walking and living in the will of God. There's nothing boring about living in the will of God. There's nothing at all that somehow supersedes the joy of walking in the will of God. It's not easy. But I tell you what, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. I can detect it, I can discern it, but you know what? I love it. Scripture calls it good. It's good. It's a good will. No good thing will the Father withhold from His children, from those that walk uprightly. It's a good thing. Psalmist says, taste and see that He is good. Right? Right? Just take that step out. Just... Just don't, don't hold anything back. The, the encouragement, don't hold anything back. Just step into this thing. Amen. This relationship with God. Just taste it one time. Really get a good taste of it. Taste and see it's good. Will of God is not only good, but it's perfect. Meaning that it is both unstoppable and it's complete. It's a train that's moving that cannot be stopped. We just choose to jump on to what God's doing. Right? And there's nobody can hinder God's will. You get slow down. There's nobody prideful enough to somehow think that I can derail God's plan. God has a plan, and I'm just, I, I, all I'm doing is coming into it. I'm just, uh, I, I, I'm just committing myself to it. I'm, I, I'm just coming into agreement with what His will is. And it is complete. It can't be added to, it can't be taken away from. It's not that you and I can sit around and say, you know, God, this is not a bad plan, but I think we can tweak it a little bit. I think if we'll move the timetable around, maybe add this to it, whatever. You know, it, it, it's perfect. It's complete. Though we may not see it, we trust in it. Though we may not see the outcome of where we're at, we've got to know that God's will in your life and in my life, it is complete. It is complete. It is perfect in and of itself, and it is pleasing. It is something that really makes God smile. So with that as a backdrop, let me just quickly give you five principles to knowing God's will. Five principles to knowing God's will. This is not steps, because there is no steps knowing the will of God. It's about a relationship. It's about drawing close to God. And, and this whole scripture is about presenting our lives as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing, giving ourselves to, aligning ourselves with Him, allowing our mind to daily be renewed in His Word and by the Holy Spirit, so that we're at a place, we're at a place that as God directs us, as He speaks, as circumstances move, as counsel comes, we can know this is the will of God. That counsel, that's the, that is the will of God. Let me tell you a quick story. So, I, I, forgive me if I've shared this before. When our children were young, uh, I was pastoring a church uh, in Western Branch. And I was, well, I was up Sunday morning getting ready for church. And the day before, Saturday morning, I'd woken up in the morning, I'd gone out to start the car, and the car didn't start. Just nothing. It, it turned, I could hear it, and it did start. So I knew it wasn't the starter, and that's about all I knew about cars. So, so as a normal Saturday, we were running and going, I just didn't have time to really address it. So my kids are sitting around breakfast, and they're going, well, Dad, how are you going to get to how are you going to get to the church? And how are we going to get, because normally I go ahead and then they would fall later. How are you going to get to church? How do you, how do you, how are you going to, how are we going to get to church? How are we going to do this? And they're, you know, as kids asking a thousand questions. And Rayleigh, who is about 
four or five at the time. She's sitting in her chair, and she's eating breakfast, and she says, yeah, today's car didn't start because it didn't have gas. And I thought, my car doesn't start because it doesn't have gas. It was a word from heaven. I'm not even joking. It was a word from heaven. I had not even considered. I'd pulled up on Friday night, and it had run. And so I went out and started Saturday. It didn't run. I just assumed, you know, I never thought in a moment that I ran out of gas. I walked outside. I got my gas uh, container from my mower. I put some in, give it about five seconds, start right up. I was out of gas. <laughs> it was a word from heaven, I'm telling you. <laughs> when we're walking in an alignment with God, and the Spirit of the Lord speaks, and whether it's a young girl he speaks through, or again, circumstances, however he chooses to speak to you, you say, yes, that, that's God. When she said, I thought, you know, that's God. I did. That, that's God. Because when we hear it, we know it. So let me just give you five principles. Number one, God's will is knowable and provable. You can know God's will. You can. And let me just distinguish between, just between uh, God's general or revealed will and specific will. And I don't want to get too deep in theology, but let me just build this as a backdrop for a moment. There are lots and lots and lots of scriptures that describe God's will. That's God's revealed will, His general will. We can go through and we can look at example after example after example. Let me give you one. 1 Thessalonians 5.8 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Yeah, yeah. Right? Give thanks. In every circumstance you are, give thanks. For this is God's will for you. What's God's will? That in every situation you give thanks. That is his revealed general will. That applies to every one of us in every circumstances, in every situation. Share the story of my father passing away. And I remember being in the church. So, I mean, it's just like crystal clear today, uh, right before the funeral and standing in the back of the church. And feeling completely overwhelmed by the moment. It was empty and it was cold and the casket was up front. And I just felt completely overwhelmed. And I just remember saying, God, thank you. Thank you that I had a father that loved me. Thank you that I had a father that showed me what it meant to be a man of God. Thank you that you're a father to the fatherless. And I just began to thank him. And, and there was a strength that, that uh, a peace and a strength that came just prevailing over me in that moment. Why? Because I was operating in the will of God. In every certain, did, did the questions go away? No. I had more questions than what to do with. But in that moment, I was operating in the will of God. I was giving thanks in every circumstance. That's God's, that, that, that's God's general revealed will. There, are, there then is the specific will for your life. Who do I get married to? What college do I go to? What job do I take? How do I invest my time and resources? What ministry should I be involved in the church? What, the, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. I bet if we took time this morning, I bet almost all of us could name an area of transition that you're in today. Just one, at least one area of transition you're in today. And you're going, God, what is your will? What's your will? Well, my encouragement is this. If we're not willing to walk out God's general will, 
then it's very difficult for us to hear God's specific will. If we're walking out God's general, if we're walking out what we know to be in Scripture, and daily we're allowing our mind to be renewed by Him, we're spending time in His Word, and we're allowing the Holy Spirit to come and, and renew us, if we're walking in God's general will, then it puts us into a place, into a position. We're into alignment when then we can hear God's specific will. Is God speaking to us? Absolutely. Are you in a place where you're hearing God? Are you being renewed? Have you presented yourself to Him? Are you walking in His general will? Then absolutely, God will make known His specific will in our lives. Secondly is this. The closer we get to God, the more we become acquainted with His desires. The closer we know God, the more we spend time with Him, the more we know the heart of God the more we can distinguish his voice over other voices, including our own, right? That inward knowing, that inward voice, is that me, God? Is that you? The closer we get to him, the more time we spend with him, the more we can distinguish, yeah, God, that's you. That dream I had last night, God, was that you or was that just a random dream I had? The more we spend time with him. I, I have these three wonderful children. When they were little, uh, they did not have to stop and ask me if a ball that they were playing with ran out in the street, if they didn't have to stop and say, Dad, should I, you know, should I run out into the street or not? No, they knew me. They knew what I would want in that situation. They knew they should stop. They should look both ways. They should get me. They, you know, they, they knew what they should do, right? The, because they spent time with me, they knew me. If I was never around, never spent time with them, they wouldn't know my heart in that situation, Right? As we get to know God, as we are all closer to Him, we get to know Him. As we get to know Him, we get to know His heart. And we don't, there, there are a thousand things that you do on a daily basis that you do just subconsciously, unconsciously, right? It, it, when I left this morning, I had a choice to go out the front door or the garage door. I didn't stop and analyze that whole decision. I didn't pray about it. I didn't say, okay, you know, if I go through the front door, that means that I'm, I'm not going to be able to lock the door unless I have my keys with me, so I got to get the keys to lock the door, so it's probably easier for me. I, I just naturally do. I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a one-second decision. Boom! I, I did it. There's lots of things that we do on a daily basis that we don't process. We just do. The closer we're walking to God, the more we know the heart of God. The more we're instinctively operating in His will in our lives. Does that make sense? Amen. Scripture says that we have the mind of Christ. Book of Philippians, which means we can have God's thoughts. We can know His will, and operate in that. Probably the greatest one is this. Does this glorify God? Does this action, this word, does this decision, does it honor and glorify God? As we walk closer to Him, number three, His will becomes our will. So not only do we know Him more and know His heart more, but His heart becomes our heart. Right? The psalmist said in Psalms 37, 4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and what? And He will give you the desires of your heart. Does that mean God gives you whatever you want? No. Does He give you your will? No. You're delighting in Him, right? So therefore you have His heart. And therefore He's going to give you whatever's in your heart because it's His heart. Right? As we draw closer to Him, we delight ourselves in Him. We present our bodies to Him. We're in alignment with with what he's doing. As we do that, 
then our heart naturally just becomes his heart. Our will is to do what's in his heart, to do what, what he wants done. Here's number four. Knowing God's will can be difficult, but it requires patience. It requires patience. Now, how many of us really would love to know the full picture today? If we're really honest, right? Yeah. You're either shaking your head, raise your hand, or you're in denial. Those are your three right now. We all want to know, what, what's tomorrow hold? What's the next year, God? If I, if I make this decision, what's the next few steps that are going to happen? God, where are you ultimately leading me? Uh, what's gonna, we, we all want to know the whole picture. Does God give you the whole picture? Rarely. What's he give you? The next step. Right? And, and it's that patience. And, and that next step doesn't come in our timing. It becomes his timing. It rarely is my timing. Rarely. It's always his timing. It's always perfect. Even the idea that, you know, we used to say that you know, God always operates on the 11th hour. You know, it's always his perfect hour. It's always his. It's a perfect timing. It just feels like that in the urgency of the moment because we've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. How many of you have been praying about stuff for weeks or months or years for things where you're saying, God, give me wisdom. God, we need you to move. God, what's your will in this situation? Because his timing is not our timing, and we've got to be patient in the process. And my encouragement is this. Let's be faithful where we are. If God hadn't said take the next step, then be faithful where you are. If God hadn't given you wisdom or release, be faithful where you are. It is like a, uh, it's like a chess set for those that have ever played chess, and you're a pawn that you step out and you don't know much more than the square that you're on. But, God, but God's a master chess player, right? He knows what's coming. He knows what's going. He knows the steps of the future. He knows what's in the past. He knows the whole board and the whole game. We know this much, and we say, Lord, I trust you with the game. I trust you with my life. I present my life as a living sacrifice. I'm not questioning it. I don't put part of me on the altar. I put the whole thing. I don't put a leg and an arm and half my brain on the altar and hold some back for me. I put it all up there, fully abandoned. I'm all yours, Lord. And in that, I trust you with my future. It's difficult because it requires patience. Don't, don't be weary in doing good, right? Because if you just hang in, then there's a harvest that comes. If we, just, if, if we don't become weary and staying put and standing, Ephesians says, after you've done everything else, just stand. There's times we just got to stand. We just got to stand. And last, my, my last point of encouragement is this, is you're not going to miss God. If you're in alignment with Him, you're not going to miss His will. You're not going to miss Him. Don't spend time stressing over your missing God or not. If you're walking close with God, you're really leaning into Him. You will not, God won't let you miss him. I, I love the story. I won't take the read it, but I love the story in Acts 16 of Paul where it just, it, it gives very little description and, and maybe that's the best part of it. Paul and, and, and his group are on a missionary trip and they decide they're going to go one direction and the Holy Spirit prevents them from going. So then they go another direction and the Holy Spirit prevents them from going there until they finally get where they need to be. 
It doesn't describe how he prevented them. It doesn't describe the circumstance around it. All we know is, is they were heading a direction and God would not allow them to go that way because he had another plan for them. If we're walking away and it's not where God wants us, God can redirect us. He can redirect us. And I'm not saying we'd be cavalier about that. I'm saying that if we're leaning into God, we can trust that whether he's using circumstances or whether still a small voice or word or, or uh, the counsel, whatever it is, God's directing and moving us. And he is as present in a circumstance where he's directing you as he is in a prayer time when God speaks so clearly. He's, he's just as present in both. We over-spiritualize sometimes the, the hearing from God that God speaks to us, so therefore we know. And we under-spiritualize circumstances that God uses to direct us, right? But God's in both equally. He's in both equally. And sometimes it's so crystal clear that I know from God. There's times in my life where I've been in prayer and God's spoken so clearly. I don't know exactly what to do. And there's times where I feel like I just, I just muddle through it. You, you, you guys, I think this is what you want, Lord. Therefore, I'm walking out. Where I've got to trust is God's present in both. Right? As I'm walking close to Him, as I'm aligned with Him, He is present in both. Because God is able to direct my steps in all situations. Would you stand up with me? this message I'll close in prayer I'll tell you where this message came from it came Monday night after I watched some of the debate and, and I, it's not a political discussion I just, I just want you to know my feeling when I, when I listened to it I walked away I didn't necessarily feel super hopeful nor encouraged or motivated by it I just felt an urgency to pray it's really what I felt I laid in bed Kelly and I just said I just the need to pray. God, where are you in this thing? Not that God's not present. He's absolutely present. But God, where are you, Lord? I want to know your heart in this situation. Lord, I, I want to know your will. and I just want to come into alignment with what you're saying and what you're doing. And I want to magnify that moment by every day of my life. Lord, what is your will? Lord, I want to know it. And I want to brace it and run with it in an abandoned way. Can we, today as we close, can we just present our bodies today to Him afresh? It is an activity that we should do every day of our lives afresh. But can we do it this morning before we leave? Would you just open up your palms, O oh Lord? we do, we offer our lives, our entire beings to you this morning. Lord, as your word instructs us, as we worshiped this morning and there was a prophetic encouragement toward it, Lord, we offer ourselves fully abandoned. Lord, we, today we just make a decision, 
We're going to hold nothing back from you. Lord, but we give you it all. We give you our past, Lord, covered in the blood. We give you our present, Lord, every decision we're making. Lord, we give you our future and all the uncertainties that are there. Lord, we give it all to you. Lord, we give you our finances today. We give you our time and our talents, Lord. We give you our thought life right now. Father, we give it all to you. And we say, Lord Jesus, may you be glorified. May you be honored. May you be magnified today in our lives, Lord Jesus. May it be an offering that's holy. And may it be an offering that's pleasing to you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Before we prepare to dismiss, if you have a need in prayer today, you just need your brothers and sisters to agree with you. We just invite you to come forward. We're going to have prayer teams up at the front. We don't want you to leave if you need prayer today. All right. Can you just extend your hands to receive from the Father this morning? Beloved sons and daughters of the living God, May you be in perfect step with your Father this week. May you be increasingly conformed to the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. May the words of your mouth, the attitudes of your heart, and the actions of your life be a demonstration of His goodness over you. And may you be able to discern and know what is the perfect will of God concerning your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.